On today's episode of The Culture Quest, we kick things off with a quick quote quiz, we then discuss the movie Love Actually, and we close by introducing the topic of our next episode, When Harry Met Sally. Hello, and welcome to The Culture Quest. We are but humble adventurers, and today we're recording at an airport arrivals gate, hoping to maybe find some true love for ourselves, like the movie promised. With me... As always, our Peter. Hello. And Mario. Actually. <laughs> and I am in I had something cleverer in, in mind, but... Uh, cleverer than that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I got all of the actually out, so... Thank you, the listeners at home, for taking part in our noble quest. Today we're watching a rom-com that I've heard uh, mentioned a few times before, Love Actually, from 2003. But, as usual, let's do one of our segments. This time, it's another edition of that segment we relatively rarely do, in which we play games and do quizzes and stuff like that that we've never named. It's the Culture Quest Quizzes and Puzzles and Miscellaneous Games thing. On today's Culture Quest Quizzes and Puzzles and Miscellaneous Games thing, I've prepared a quick quotes quiz. It's all fairly simple. I'll give you a quote, either historical or from a movie, might be from a book or a song, and you have to tell me who said it. And feel free to elaborate if you have anything to add, anything you know about that quote. Uh, No scores, really, but, you know, just a test of your knowledge. I thought it could be easy and fun, but now I think I might have been wrong about that. So let's see how many you get right. For example... The first quote is this. That's one small step for men, one giant leap for mankind. Okay, that's uh, quite straightforward. We all know the moon landing um, was faked. (laughs) 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 But um, that, feel free to interrupt me, Barrio, but um, I only know two astronauts and one of them is Buzz Aldrin. The other one who I think said that is Neil Armstrong. Barry, are you going to claim Peter is wrong about this one? I think like people usually think it's it's uh, Lance Armstrong. Neil. Neil. But I think Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong. Lance Armstrong oh, is you the think it's the, like, the second guy or something? This is Neil Armstrong. Oh, okay. Uh, Peter, you were right about that. Do you guys remember what year the moon landing was in? 1969. July 20, 1969. Oh, well done, Peter. I think uh, I heard that 650 million people watched it on TV, which... Could turn out. I, 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 did they play it live? I don't know. I, I, never mind. Also, I think I heard somewhere that Armstrong said that he actually said one small step for a man, but the sentence was heard differently due to interference or something. Yeah, dude, I, I didn't know that in particular, but for some reason about this quote, I have a very, like, I guess not a very attuned memory for it, but like... I just love the way he says it because it seems like he's being a little bit sort of philosophical, but it also feels like there's a little bit of like, you know, you can almost feel the technical difficulty Yeah, <laughs> and he's trying to be like clear about it. So when he says it, he's like one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. <laughs> it's just like, it's very, like, it's a, such an odd cadence. It's such an odd cadence to like speak in. It sounds like he's trying not to trip over. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does sound like that. And honestly, it adds to it. I just love the way he says it. Almost, you know what it actually sounds a bit like? It sounds like 
If Barack Obama said it. One small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. Oh, man, that's a good impression. (laughs) (laughs) Did he say one small step for a man? Is that what he says? Yeah. If you listen to the recording, it sounds like he's saying one small step for man. But he's saying he he did not miss the uh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I... There, there is a pause there. I'll, I'll trust him. The guy went to the moon. Yeah. Allegedly. 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 <laughs> Are you guys ready for the next quote? Yeah. Who allegedly said... No, I'm kidding. Who said, life is what happens when you're busy making oh, yeah, other yeah, plans? Yeah. Okay, I know this, Barrio. Uh, I don't. <laughs> do you want to give it a guess, Barrio? Do you want to lean on Peter? No. Yeah, Um. so this is uh, John Lennon. Well... No, I'm kidding. This is attributed to John Lennon. Uh, it it actually, I think it's in one of the uh, one of his songs from a 1980 album. Oh, really? But it first appeared. So I'm I'm definitely going to accept it. It's, I'm not going to say that you're wrong. But Aye. yeah. But <laughs> as I was researching this quote for this uh, segment, I found out that it first appeared in a 1957 newspaper article written by Alan Saunders, who was a journalist and a comic strip writer. So. Next quote? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, who said, and also, complete the sentence, life is like a box of chocolate. Uh, okay. You never know what you're gonna get. You never know what you're going to get. You never know what you're gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> well, this quote is from Forrest Gump. You got that right. But technically, it was a quote of his, his mother. mother. My mm. mother always said, no, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, you got it right. So this one might be a bit tougher. Uh, One of those, you either know it or you don't. Who said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different bucket. Einstein. Thank you. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, Albert Einstein. At some point, I almost switched this whole segment to an all Albert Einstein quote segment, but then it wouldn't be a game, really. He has so many awesome quotes, that that (laughs) guy. I gotta say that I have a conspiracy theory that he didn't say any of those. A bunch of quotes are misattributed to to people. I have another uh, quote coming up that's kind of misattributed, but yeah, you're right. A bunch of quotes aren't really by who people think they are. Here's one I like. I think it's an interesting one. What's coming will come, and we'll meet it when it does. Hmm. Sounds familiar? Hmm. It it does sound familiar, but I can't honestly say I I can definitely remember hearing it. Like it it sounds pretty straightforward. Like yeah, it's almost generic. It's it, it almost feels like a I'm not sure if I'm using this word right, but it feels like a platitude. Let's have a look at what platitude means online. (laughs) You know, when you just think of a word and you go, yeah, that sounds about right. A remark or statement, especially one with a moral content that has been used too often to be interesting or thoughtful. Uh, That's uh, pretty close. Pretty good use of the word. Yeah. Do you guys want to give it a guess? Because I know you've you've heard it before. Can you give us a hint? This one is not a, st- a historical quote. Can you read it again? Of course. It's It goes like this. What's coming will come, and we'll meet it when it does. Hmm. Is it from Dune? It's not from Dune. Well, okay. I'm, I don't know if I'm on the right track, but it definitely feels like it, they're preparing for some sort of either like physical war or some backlash like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the leader yeah, is saying mm-hmm. something to you know and it, someone in the in group Lord of the Rings 
No, not Lord of the Rings. Like it, actually, that's I, it. Could be like a Harry Potter thing. It, it could, could be, be like a Harry Potter thing. It could be a um, Dumbledore quote. No, you got you, you got it, it. It is from a Harry Potter book, but it's not Dumbledore. Wow. Okay. What's coming will come. Potentially Lupin. No. All right. Give me two more guesses. Um, Try to think which book it might come from. Uh, I think it could be either the last book or. Oh, it's got to be the, the one of the last two, I think. Could it be McGonagall? No. All right, my last guess. It's after, like, it's near the end of one of the books, after, like, a huge event in the series. Yeah, is it after the Goblet of Fire, like, at the very end of that? The very end of Goblet of Fire, yeah. Um, <laughs> great, but I still, still don't know, because I feel like it has to be Dumbledore. <laughs> is it, um, oh, I do kind of remember the bit now. Like Harry's kite shaken up. Oh, I I know Sirius Sirius Black. No, no. crap. It's um one almost major character that you haven't mentioned. Let me know when it's not fun anymore, and I'll just tell you. <laughs> oh, I actually thought it was Hagrid for a second. <laughs> let me know. Let, let, let me tell you the answer. Yeah, I think you should tell us. It's Hagrid. Oh, I did mention Hagrid, didn't I say Hagrid? Oh, really? Yeah, oh, I did then say I missed it. Late, it. Like it was, it was one of the last ones I said. Oh, really? Then I missed it, and I'll edit out the the point where you said it, so I don't sound uh, <laughs> dumb. Uh, nah, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, Hagrid said it after um, the the major event that took place that kind of led to this quote is when Voldemort uh, came back to power uh, at the end mm. of Goblet of Fire. Ready for the next one? Yep. Who said this sentence? If I've seen further than others, it is by standing upon the shoulders of giants. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I hear this a lot. A lot of people say this like... Yeah, it's definitely part of our like day-to-day language now. Yeah. The names that are coming to me aren't like ones that I feel like most even listeners would probably be like that familiar with. So like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a philosopher. Is it Newton? No, it's not Isaac Newton. Ding, 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 ding. It's a physicist. Really? Damn, that would take me a long time. Yeah, I I remembered it was a physicist. So Isaac Newton was the the, the answer I was looking for, but he was quoting Bernard of Chartres, or whatever you call him, a 12th century French philosopher. That's very cool. I contributed. (laughs) (laughs) You always do some. (laughs) All right, next quote. Yep. And this one might be a bit tricky. It goes like this. If your cucumber is bitter, <laughs> throw it away. <laughs> that is enough. I I had to include this one. It's honestly one of my all-time favorite quotes. <laughs> Do you guys know who said it? Marcus Aurora Borealis. Whatever his name Aurora Borealis. Borealis. Aurora Borealis. Well done. I, I, I think I put this one in to make sure there's a quote that you both know. Uh, <laughs> next quote. You didn't think we'd crush it. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't sure. Like I said, I thought quotes would be easy before I looked up quotes. And then it became a bit more... Uh, because like I looked up quotes and I found a bunch of quotes that I not only loved, I, I like recognized immediately. But hmm. a, a lot of the quotes... Forget about the fact that there are a lot of the quotes are misattributed. I just didn't know who said most of them. So... It became more complicated than I figured. Um, all right, next quote. Oh, this is the last one, and I have a bonus one, which I, I liked, but I don't think you'll get. This is the next one. Who said, don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened? 
Aww. And again, that's platitudinal, isn't it? Well, it, it, you know what? It really is, because when I tried looking up where that quote is exactly from, I, I didn't give it a lot of effort, but I found it. Uh, all I found are Pinterest, Etsy, and Amazon links for products that have this quote printed <laughs> on them. So this is the prime example of a platitude, I'd say. I feel like, <laughs> I, I, feel like I should know the first one. Like, it feels like a point of pride to... Well, not even a point of pride. This feels like something I should know, like who said this first. Feel free to guess. Uh, look, it can't be like a scientist. It's not like... Um, it's not a scientist. Yeah, it's not like... It is a um, doctor. Uh, a doctor <laughs> of philosophy. Hmm. Hmm. I really don't know, actually. Dr. Phil? No. Damn. He doesn't <laughs> sound like the type of guy that would say that. Feels too like yoga, coffee cup, kale for him. <laughs> say it again, the quote. Uh, the quote, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. It sounds like from a movie. I don't think it's a movie. I think it's a book, but I'm not 100% sure. I don't know, but I'm just desperate to find out. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds like something in, in the ballpark of, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Don't be sad because it's uh, over. Smile because it happened. This, uh, I'm going to give you the answer unless you want to throw in one last guess. It's most likely a book. It's said by someone who... A doctor is part of his name. All right, so this is a quote by Dr. Seuss. Oh, okay. I try looking up where... I didn't expect that. Yeah, I don't know if it's a part from, like a line from a book or he said it at some interview or something or in a letter, I don't know, but but it's a, it's a really cute quote. Definitely. And here's a bonus quote, which, like, like I said, I, I wanted to share this quote because it's something I stumbled upon while looking at the quotes for this uh, segment. And it's it's a quote that really hit hard, like a hit close to home for me. It's something I think about often. And I really like this quote. And it's a bonus quote because I've never heard of whoever said this. And you can try and guess if you want, uh, but I don't think you'll get it. And the quote is this, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Do you guys want to guess who said it? Hmm, I don't actually don't know if I've heard that before. I'll go um, Albert Camus. Wrong. Barry, uh, <laughs> do you want to throw one last guess before I... I'll, I'll go Bob Dylan. Ding, ding. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it's by someone called Francis Chan, who I didn't know hmm. before running into this quote. Yeah, uh, you can Google him. Uh, he's a person. So this episode, we're doing um, Love Actually, the 2003 romantic comedy set in Britain. And um, it, it takes place in the lead up to Christmas. And it follows just a whole orgy of people <laughs> um, looking to have an orgy. So <laughs> not quite. Um, but yeah, it does, it does follow like uh, various sort of different plot lines, almost as if it's like a TV show with like, plot lines that will intersect eventually, but um, they're sort of a um, little bit separate. And it goes kind of full on like in this direction. It has about eight or nine different plot lines and most of them are interlinked. They are all interlinked except for one that's, I guess, is kind of like a half link. But it's just, yeah, it's just gone kind of like not your normal romantic comedy. It's just gone full on with all these different links between different couples. All and, kinds of relationships. Yeah, couples, relationships, a lot of a lot of different things. Like they have 
stepsons and stepfathers and they have single people trying to find a hookup and then they have married people trying to find a hookup and then (laughs) (laughs) and everything in between so um it's quite intense in terms of like how many storylines they're keeping going at once but it actually makes watching it for me at least was very interesting like there wasn't a slow point and the cast is extremely high profile yeah they they sometimes do this is like a common occurrence i think nowadays where they'll just be like a star-studded cast and it will be for like valentine's day or christmas or something and they've just gone all out they've just the wages are just 90 percent of the of the cost of it it's not like the production value it's just who they're getting on the screen and in this particular film they've got i honestly this guy i feel like doesn't have the most screen time but i when i think of this movie i think of him who's hugh grant we have alan rickman from um, harry harry potter and emma thompson also from harry potter uh, we'll be have bill nighy from um harry potter we have uh, kira knightley from pride and prejudice colin firth from pride and prejudice uh martin freeman from argo and from fargo <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton from Fargo, uh, Mr. Bean from Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> we have Liam Neeson, who who's obviously in Taken One, Taken Two, and can't forget Star Wars, and um, Rodrigo Santoro from Westworld, and Martina Hut- Mark Hutchinson from EastEnders. So there's a lot going on. Um, although you got to bear in mind that a lot of these cast members actually sort of you wouldn't say like cut their teeth on this movie, but definitely like it, it was definitely like a stepping stone in their, in their careers as well. It wasn't like these guys are all veterans, you know what I mean? They were well known at the time, but since then their reputation's grown. So when you look back on it, they seem really well known. So yeah, some of those I, I recognize now, but I don't know mm, if I'd, if yeah. I'd recognize them in 2003 when probably the, the came most well known would have been potentially Alan Rickman, um, being diehard 10 or, years ago. Uh, your Grant. Hugh Grant, maybe from, yeah. yeah, he would have had some recent success as well, like in the last yeah. few years. So I don't know if I knew Liam Neeson back then. Definitely not uh, Bilbo. What's the name of the guy who plays Bilbo? Uh, Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman, yeah. I don't know if I'd known Colin Firth back then. Mm. Yeah. Um, anyway, so the plots. Um, I would say the most basic is probably John and Judy. So that was the one featuring Martin Freeman. Uh, we'll just refer to them as the nude couple. So <laughs> they're sort of filming a sex scene or love scenes for like a movie or something like that. And essentially they're doing all these very intimate scenes in a very non-intimate, very work style setting. It's sort of a bit dispassionate. Like they're just, it's, it's a very awkward scene, but they spark up a conversation and then they ask each other out. It's an odd plot, but for me, it definitely kind of like cuts through everything. And there are comedic ones, but this is probably the most comedic plot line. Like it, there's not much that hanged on it. There wasn't too much emotional baggage with this one. It's more of just a fun one. Um, there's Billy Mac and Joe, which is probably one of the least connected plot lines, to be honest. Like, well, actually, least connected and most connected because Billy Mac isn't actually connected personally to any of the actors like and he doesn't like interact physically but he's always on the radio and you kind of in the background he's always in the background so he's there but he's not there and um 
Billy Mack is a rock legend. He he recorded a Christmas version of an old classic of his, uh, which really gets in your head. Basically, it gets to number one by Christmas. It, it it's a total like you know old guy has this reunion song and he gets it to number one and it it's a pretty I don't know what you'd say like I guess contained storyline like it's not it's not too much going on but um, at the end he turns down an invite from Elton John and um, spends time with his manager and it yeah I don't know it gets quite emotional at the end actually <laughs> so. Billy Mac seems one of the more unsavory characters. I don't know. He's not a very likable character, but then at the very end, he sort of redeems himself. So a bit, yeah. Have uh, Jamie and Aurelia, I think her name is. Yeah, Aurelia. Um, So Jamie um, attended a wedding. His wife was a bit under the weather, or so she said. He he comes home early from the wedding to. Did I say his wife? I meant his girlfriend. Certainly not his wife, because when he came home, he caught. Her cheating on him with his brother. So, not ideal. And he goes to France and meets a uh, French housekeeper, as you do. And um, after an incident not involving a paperweight, unfortunately, <laughs> he uh, he falls in love with the um, housekeeper and learns Portuguese to win her over, as you do. We have Sarah and Carl. So, Sarah and Carl are co-workers and... Alan Rickman's character invites Sarah into his office and he's just like, everyone knows you want to go out with Carl, just ask him out. So basically she's sweating over, you know, how she's going to do it. She eventually does, but um, Sarah has a, hopefully I'm getting this right, she has a disabled brother, is that correct? Yeah. Okay. She invites Carl out, but um, basically as things are getting good between her and Carl, like her sort of duties in relation to her brother kind of um, are more important at the time and she can't really dedicate enough time to Carl. So ultimately they don't get together, which is actually one of probably, is this the only storyline that actually fizzles out? Um, There was another sad one. Uh, The one with uh, Alan Rickman and his wife, Emma Thompson uh, was also kind of sad, but yeah, it doesn't really fizzle out as this one does. does. Yeah. That one doesn't fizzle out. That one's, goes where it needs to go (laughs) but (laughs) the next one which you're referring to was um harry and karen so harry not potter is um seduced by a lady at work harry is played by alan rickman and um he's i'm still trying to work on my alan rickman voice i don't (laughs) think i'm ready to present to the group yet but he's he's seduced by a lady at work and his wife is on alert about it she uh, his wife sees him and the co-worker at the Xmas party, and it's quite obvious they get along too well. A bit, and yeah. um, there's a there's a situation with um, Harry buying a necklace for um, his co-worker, trying to like spice up the relationship. Karen sees him buy it, so, so she knows what the box is and everything like that. And then when Christmas comes around, she's looking under the tree. She knows, oh, that's. Same size box as the one he got from the from the shops. Guess we'll open that. When she opens it, she sees a Joni Mitchell CD, which I'm sure we can go into. Yeah. <laughs> and um, then she realizes as soon as she sees the CD, the necklace isn't there. So the necklace has gone to the girl at work. Mm. And basically, it's just relationship over from them. So that is one of the sadder scenes in, in the movie. And she plays Joni Mitchell in that scene, which is just so poignant. The next one, which is 
not actually a massive plot line, but again, for some reason, Hugh Grant really just is this movie for me. He's kind of like the center point for me. So David, who's um, Karen's brother, played by Hugh Grant, he's um, a recently elected prime minister. And when he basically, um, his first day in the office, he meets the staff. And one of the junior staffers, she's just very clumsily (laughs) uh, sort of swore in front of the newly elected prime minister. And basically, like, I don't think he minded at all, but she was very sort of uptight about it. In fact, I think that's kind of one of, her charming qualities that she doesn't restrict herself too much but uh he he finds her quite nice and i think it's quite mutual but um there's a situation where the president of the united states comes and there's something untoward happening and basically he thinks it's probably not appropriate to have this person he's attracted to in his sort of cabinet so he moves her to like a different department, which I don't think reflected too well because you would think, you know, you get along, getting along with someone and then you move them. So I'm, it's not really addressed in the film exactly how she felt about the move, but eventually he goes door knocking and, and finds her for Chris, just in time for Christmas and, uh, and they get together. So that was quite a nice plot um the next one i've got is uh, is also related to karen's the next one is featuring liam neeson's character who's um named daniel and his wife passed away and now he's the sole occupier of the home and uh he has he has a stepson called sam and sam's quite um upset about things and and daniel's trying to console him he says, what's the problem? And then Sam just says, I'm in love. And then there's quite like a nice scene where Daniel's laughing. He's like, oh, I thought it was something bad. But, you know, he's just, just in love. And then Sam, the um, the son, is saying, what could be worse than being in love? You know, like, And it's actually quite a mature point that he's making. Yeah, they, they sort of go on a, a father-son bonding experience where they're trying to figure out how to get the girl and... Um, he starts drumming. Yeah, eventually he does get the girl through a bit of a hurried airport visit and post nine eleven security breach, which yeah. is quite a stunning scene. But um, yeah, he's kind of afraid of ruining Sam's life because he doesn't know how to raise him, and mm-hmm. he's lost in within his love life as well. And uh, in the end, he also gets a girl. Uh, I think it was Claudia Schiffer. He does. Yeah. He hits on <laughs> Sam's um, friend's mum. Yeah. So, so yeah, that was that was quite one of the more more heartwarming ones. It did start out quite dark, being like the funeral scenes and stuff, but um, it doesn't stay dark for that long. Like a lot of it is bonding, a lot of it's trying to get the girl, and it's it's actually quite um, quite a positive story. The next one, so we have Juliet and Peter, who um, they had a wedding, which actually brings quite a few of the characters together, but. Um, and then they have a best man, uh, Peter, who videotapes the wedding. And um, basically, I mean, I'm just going to say it now, but Julia is so attractive. I, I just think, like, the fact that Peter's attracted to her, like, everyone would be. So, like, I just, yeah, I find this so unbelievable that she's like, you attracted to me? Like, yeah. just, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, man, you're Kieran Knightley. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, it's, it's just the most ludicrous that's like the most unbelievable bit for the movie like not the president knocking on like 250 people's houses like to try to find like the girl that he fired like definitely this bit where she's like me the really attractive girl attracted to me 
just yeah anyway <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah so he he basically filmed like pretty much solely Juliet like he was like doing the filming for the wedding or well, not doing the filming but I guess he has his own personal videotapes and he films the wedding but basically just Juliet yeah and like the t- the tapes that they were originally going to use were like damaged or they just look shit and Juliet's like oh hey do you reckon you could chuck over those tapes he's like oh mm, I don't know like they're probably just nah they're a bit shit let's let's not let's just no and then <laughs> and she's like nah nah it'll be fine just a couple things of me and he's like oh <laughs> I don't know like. <laughs> Nah, probably not. And then, <laughs> so that basically just, you know, repeat that for like most of the scenes um, that they have in this movie. It's just a whole lot of, you know, oh, reckon, reckon? Nah, 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 definitely not. Mm, what about now? Nah, 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 not yet. So just that going on for a long time. And then she eventually does some door knocking, a lot of door knocking. And um, she comes over. She's like, oh, I found the tape. And he's like, oh, that thing. She starts watching the film and it starts out sort of balanced. She's like, wow, don't I look fantastic? And he's like, yep. And then you get to like maybe 30, 40 seconds in waiting to see like when the groom is going to be in it. And then he's not. So No, not at all. <laughs> That was one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> they could use it for the next wedding because it wouldn't matter who the spouse was. The ending to that, if if it even matters, he he gets quite sort of detached. Then they don't really speak. But then he comes. I guess he has this like boost of self confidence or resignation, however you read it. But he stands out front of the married couple's um, house uh, with a boombox for carolers, so he can just say it's carolers. He basically does the thing where you like get a whole bunch of cards and like one's like, how about we? And then new card, go to the new card. And like, it's just like, he's confessing his love, but he's just saying like, you know, don't worry about it though. Like totally in love, but you know, who cares? And so he, he leaves the house, but she follows after him, gives him a kiss, but she goes back. So he, he does ultimately fail to break up the happy couple, but he tried. So it's sort of a mediocre ending on that one. Anyway, the next one is Colin and the Ameri- and the Americans. So um, Colin was one of the caterers at the wedding, and uh, it's a pretty simple plot. He thinks because he's British, if he goes to the US where there's less people like him, he will be more of a commodity. And basically he goes over there, and within 30 seconds of sitting down, he gets into like a fivesome. So, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's honestly not that much more to say about that one, except he returns to the US later with his friend who was like super skeptical about the whole situation and he brings with him a girlfriend for him and a bro- and a girlfriend for the other guy so it's just a girlfriend's coming out the wazoo so oh geez that was one of the longer plot summaries yeah. we've had <laughs> maybe we shouldn't have gone over all of the stories but never mind <laughs> no no one needs to watch the movie anymore <laughs> yeah in, in general what what did you guys kind of feel about the movie it's nice like i think I'm very fond of of movies that have a lot of like different plots. I think this movie has something for everyone. It has a variety of characters and it has a variety of stories. So you you're bound to find something that that talks to you. Your grand 
<laughs> yeah, crazy mm. character to put as a prime minister. So many great scenes as well with Hugh Grant, like the dancing scene. Yeah, was so good. Yeah, I really liked him. It was fun. I was actually thinking about maybe starting to make it my Christmas movie. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. It has good vibes. Like you, you end up in a in a happier and kind of like more festive mood afterwards. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Noni? I'm kind of a bit torn about this movie. Like honestly. Uh, all in all, I'd say I'm positive towards it, but I, I have a few problems with it. Like, on the one hand, I felt it was really cheesy, really cringy. There were parts that I thought were a bit annoying. But on the other hand, you can't really have, like, a love story without being a bit cheesy and, and cringy. It was maybe a bit too much, but, you know, some was acceptable. And to add to that, there were a few moments that really warmed my heart. There were a few characters that I really liked. There were a few really cute scenes. And I had a few really good laughs uh, throughout the movie. So, yeah, I, I like that the movie had a few storylines running. Obviously, some got more attention than the others. I, I feel like it mostly worked. And it gave the movie a very distinctive personality in a way. I don't think all the storylines were great. And there were some characters that I didn't really care for. Like Boris said, you, you know, there's so many different characters. There's so many different stories. I, I can totally see how some people would connect with some of those and not connect with some of the others. And I can totally see how some characters or storylines that I would let go are someone's favorite uh, storylines. So... Mm. Um, the movie, like you said, looks at a few kinds of relationships, different kinds of, of love, and anyone can find someone to relate to. I, I myself related the most to, to, to the friendship between Billy and Joe, Billy Mac, the, the, the pop star, or whatever you want to call him. Really? Uh, wow. Yeah, it, it, I don't want to go too deeply into that because I don't want to know what it means about me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, I respect that. <laughs> but throughout the movie, I felt like a lot of it wasn't for me or doesn't work. But looking back at it without really thinking too much about it, I really like the movie. I think it's really cute. I really enjoyed it. I watched it twice. Once with a few friends and then again with Barrio. Honestly, I, I, I did enjoy it. But I don't know. I kind of heard a lot about this movie. A lot of good things. And considering that, I'd say that it's a bit overrated, I think. But I liked it. So I don't know. Peter, what about you? Um, so I think I'm going to probably be the most positive out of everyone because I freaking loved it. I Yeah, you're like, our uh, rom-com guy, so uh, that makes sense. A little bit, but I haven't seen that many, but the ones I do see, I always like. So I don't know. When I think about the best moments, like David's uh, dancing scene in the, I don't even know what they call the office of the Prime Minister in, in the UK, or the proposal from... Um, uh, what was it, Jamie and Aurelia, um, the one how, one in Portuguese, I thought um, that was just fantastic. The door knocking and the first kiss, that was fantastic. The ending was really good as well. The, like In every storyline, there was like at least one moment which I really liked. Even like the, the one with Juliet and um, Peter, like I, I thought that was actually a pretty good ending to that one. And um, I don't know, it just... You can't have a movie with, like, nothing going on and then just a few great moments. But you can definitely have a movie that's, like, solid foundation and then just some standout moments. Like, there's just some, like, moments that are just so good that, like, it's not that it's, like, 
you have an average movie with like some crazy good scenes. It's just like a the scenes just happen to be so good that like you can't help but think about specific scenes with this movie. You know what I mean? Like the scene where I keep forgetting the name, but is Too it many who names. is um, Harry's wife? Kevin, I don't know. Kevin. Emma Thompson. Yeah, I know. I, I am struggling a little bit. Um, uh, it's Karen, yeah. And um, where she opens like the Christmas gift and it's not the necklace that she thought. It's the Joni Mitchell CD. Like that's just such a good scene. Like I just feel like I got my money's worth with that. Like the Joni Mitchell CD playing and it felt very much like because she, she would be in her 50s or something like that when she was um, listening to it. And it felt like her and Joni were in the same place, like, you know, both, you know, older than what they'd like to be and, like, life just hasn't worked out exactly. And, like, she's got to confront this massive elephant, like, in the room. With she, her, her relationship's just ended, but she's probably been in for, like, a few decades. And yeah. I don't know. It's a, like a very heart-wrenching scene. And then but you get, like, that side of the spectrum. But then you get the proposal... Um, in Portuguese, which is just, I thought that scene worked so well because you, you have Aurelia who's like not like one of those like girly girls. It's like, oh my God, yes, of course. You know, like <laughs> she was, um, she was much more of the persuasion of just like, this guy, date me? Like, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, she was good. <laughs> that sounds so bad. But like, <laughs> she's, she's very much just like, oh, oh, okay. This. <laughs> just just seems so like I don't know she was taken aback a little bit yeah it didn't seem like put on at all it seemed like she legitimately like it, it was just great acting so um, basically every scene with David um, or Hugh Grant was yeah. was great every scene with um, Alan Rickman, Rickman was great I mean it's nice to see him play a bad guy for one. It's a good joke. Been saying it in my head the whole time. <laughs> um, yeah, it, uh, Liam Neeson's scene where he, where he breaks down at the kitchen table, I just thought it was just fantastic as well. That was early on in, well, yeah, early-ish on in yeah. the film. So, um, and and also the scene where it's like not terrific acting or anything, but I think for me, I could be an idiot, so this might not be correct, but. The one that hit home where like a lot of the storylines, not everyone, but a lot of them came together is when you see Alan Rickman's character, Harry, getting into bed and then you see Karen and you're like, oh, the two worlds come together. You know what I mean? Because like yeah. Karen has like Liam Neeson's character and his son and and, and then her brother, um, is the, the prime minister, prime minister and, yeah. you know, a lot of that. And then you have... Alan Rickman's side, which is like the him and his assistant, but then you have also the two other colleagues and stuff like that. Like it, a whole bunch of the connections rely on that connection, which is actually kind of ironic that that's the connection that breaks down. But yeah, uh, like a, there's a lot of sort of information that was conveyed in one kind of short scene there where you just see them in together. And I think when they made the film, I think... They, they they obviously knew that it was a revelation, but like the way they bring it out is like they almost give you a bit of room to breathe. Like you see them and then there's like this silence and I think the silence is like they're almost making it for like a cinema experience because everyone in the cinema I imagine would be like, oh, like just 
just that feeling of like everything coming together, like putting that last puzzle piece in. And I feel like when they made it, they're like, oh, we better put in some like dead space here because everyone's going to be like out of it for like a few moments. So yeah, overall, I'd say this could be in my top 10 movies of all time. Really? It's, yeah, it's really good for me. Like I said, it's a cute movie. It's a fun movie. But I felt like some of it didn't work. Maybe to me, it felt a bit overrated. For example, the uh, one of the storylines that I didn't like, that I myself would have li- left out, uh, was the one with uh, uh, the writer, the, the author, and Aurelia, the, the Portuguese girl. There was nothing connecting them like i know that the like they they had a, a language barrier <laughs> right and when they were talking they kept talking to each other even though they didn't speak the same language and coincidentally they kept saying basically the same thing so that was cute but i don't know just didn't make any sense to me they never spoke a word they kissed once and they got married and ah, that's what's so and, good and though cause... i know i know that the, it, it gives that story its specific charm. I know that that's the point of the story, but I don't know. Inside I think the of point all of that, that... Is like because they don't speak the same language, right? So you get like, but but because um, Colin Firth is such a good actor, like you can see him like he first sees the girl, and it's like okay, you just break up with your girlfriend, you see this other attractive girl, you're like oh, like it's just like a natural thing for a guy to do. Like you just go oh, oh. Okay, there's another girl in the room. <laughs> like, you know, like you just, you register. Yeah. And then it kind of simmers a little bit. Like the, there's the driving bit where it's just like, oh, you know, I'll drive her. And it kind of seems like one of those relationships at the start where it's it's purely transactional. And it's and it feels transactional for a little while. And it's like with the driving and stuff like that, they don't really talk and it's a bit awkward. And then there's obviously the the big scene where they get in the lake and that's like the breakthrough scene. And then you realize like there's actually all these like deep feelings, like she actually cares, which you didn't think she did. And then after that, it's like, I don't know, like it's just the most heartwarming scene because it's like all this stuff you, you thought it was all coming from Colin. You thought Colin really quite enjoyed being around this girl and the girl was just a robot. You thought, oh, you know, she doesn't care at all. But turns out she can't, she feels like almost the exact same way as Colin does. It's just she because of the language barrier, you don't see it. So, and then she says, you know, like there's that really great scene where she's she's like, um, the worst part of my day is is leaving or something like that. And it's just amazing because you just it's such a revelation just because of the language barrier. You just don't expect it, but then I don't know. It just it still makes a lot of sense. So. I, I felt like when I was watching it, I was developing all these feelings on behalf of Colin. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you guys get along so well. And like, it, it just seems like you guys are like in a similar life position. And if only she felt the same way. But then you realize all this, like, all this self-talk is happening on her side, but it's not filmed from her side. So you don't, you don't get it. And it's just... It's so satisfying to see that that is the case. I, I totally agree that you can make a, a story about the language barrier and that even without talking, something can develop there. But that story doesn't need a slow-mo scene of someone getting naked and with 
with、nah, the zoom on their butts. I needed that scene. That was cringy. Oh, that was a good scene. <laughs> But I, I see Nunn's point. Like, I think it was kind of like forced. Like, I gotta say that it was cute at first when they kind of like they don't understand each other, but they're saying the same thing in different languages. But then it kind of like carried out. I don't know six sentences too many, right? Yeah. And like, okay, okay, we get it. You you're really in the same mind. You you literally are saying the same thing to each other, without actually understanding. Yeah, that's probably in my top three. That one really? Yeah, well, yeah I think、let's... they aimed for like David and Natalie and the Liam Neeson story to be kind of the main ones. They, they, those were the ones that got yeah, the most attention. Probably, I'd, I'd say that's probably right. Do you want to go through like what our favorites if and our least favorite? It's hard. I, I I can definitely see a correlation between my love for for the actors and and the story. Yeah, because like I, I enjoyed the story because I enjoyed watching them. I think Emma Thompson was amazing. Yeah, as always. I don't know. I I chose to interpret it in in a more optimistic way. Like they've decided to stay together, and because like the last thing is that he he says that he's a fool and he's really sorry, and the, like she says that she missed him or that they missed him, so it's kind of like felt felt optimistic. So I think that was my favorite one. Surprisingly, my second favorite one was the one with.、Uh, With with Kira Knightley,、mm. not because of not because of her actually,、oh. because I was yeah I I really don't like her. I I talked about it with Inon. I think I think we at least I understood why I don't like Get her. Get out of line then. <laughs> so, <laughs> We've been waiting、yeah. here forever. <laughs> no, 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 but but hear me out. Hear me out. I, I have I, I have a good explanation. I finally found it because her face is beautiful. But her smile isn't. No, no, her smile is more beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing. I'm willing to die on this hill. <laughs> okay, okay. We finally found what will break this podcast apart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kira Knightley's smile. She seems fake. I don't know, or maybe fake because she's full of herself, or like I don't know. She's not invited. Well. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, I think the story was just cute. I don't know. I kind of like. I still like... don't really get. The way it ended, why she kissed him? Yeah, no, it was. But it, but the whole story was cute. Yeah. Oh come on, you get why she kissed him. I really was, don't. No, because it's like okay, you're married, right? But you know that like this person that's been chasing you is a good person, and you think just by if you weren't married, they would be great together. But she is, so it's like unfortunate. And it's like she's just like letting him know that it's like you got unlucky. It's like if I wasn't already married, or like if you met me first, or something like that. So it's a type of closure. It is closure because if he didn't do that, then it would have been like I don't know. I, I he it wasn't like he was trying to break up the couple. Like he wasn't. He could have got on on a bad night or something, and it could have. But like it was more like having it all out in the open. Like you know, this is exactly how I feel. And that was perfect. Yeah, I like, thought he did what what he did was okay. Like, yeah, more than okay. I thought it was perfect for the story. But why did you kiss him? I don't know. And also, like a scene before where he, after she watches the tape and he leaves the house and he's kind of like going back and forth and kind of like in, in a very like you can see the inner turmoil yeah, that, that, he, that is in. Yeah, that was that was really great. You know, he he got me there. But when she kissed him, I I agree. It's Most people, when when they're in love with their best friend's wife, and she comes and kisses them, it's I don't know. It's kind of like it's opening. Nah, it's the opening kiss was、door. like as a friend. It 
it was like, yeah, true. If it was me, it would definitely would have opened the door. But <laughs> <laughs> I think, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. But, but like for me, I think it was more of, a, I think it was more of like, a, okay, you've admitted that it's never going to happen. This sounds terrible, right? But you've admitted like it's totally off the table now. So now it's safe <laughs> to kiss you. It, it was more of like a good luck on your journeys, bud. <laughs> it was more of like, a, you know, you're going on a separate journey. So like, but it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom. Like the next girl might do this. Yeah. I don't know. It felt very like better luck next time. I don't know. The first time I saw it, I, I really thought she was giving him like false hope. And I really didn't like it. But the second time, like, uh, I kind of agree with what you said, Peter. Like, mm. it's it's a type of, of, of closure. And, and she is kind of telling him, yeah, in a different world uh, with different kind of uh, circumstances. I'm trying to think of the movie when, but I've, like, it, it's, I've definitely seen a movie which was like the whole movie was based on this. It was like a... Really? Yeah, it was like a whole kind of like we're perfect for each other, but just wrong timing and it's not how i met your mother if i get any like feedback i i like the david and natalie storyline the prime minister and his uh mm. and the the employee and i i, I thought like i think you mentioned it uh what is his name you grant really good mm. really charismatic really fun yeah i thought natalie was pretty good but not as much i thought the story was cute i didn't exactly get why she had to apologize for being groped by the U.S. president. I think it's a but, very British thing. Really? Well, actually, I thought when you said that, I thought you were going to say for swearing. <laughs> <laughs> you did take a bit of a left turn there. <laughs> so, uh, for, for being groped by POTUS, um, I guess it was more of like, hope we can still de-escalate. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's hard to know because you don't... I actually really... I feel like the film is telling us more than what i got i i thought it was very hard to gauge like who brought it on it felt like it was probably potus but like i couldn't really tell what was happening like if if she, it was not consensual or if it was like she was playing it too loose or something like that i think i kind of feel like she not should have but i guess like i can understand definitely why she was a bit apologetic about that you know what really made me laugh when <laughs> yeah when he kind of gave that romantic speech, but actually declared war on the United States. Yeah, that was good. That was a good scene. What, what did he say? A friend that bullies you is not lo no longer a friend? But it kind of made it mm. sound like he's like, we're not friends anymore. And that, that was yeah. like a bit too much, maybe. It did sound a bit like he was declaring war on them. <laughs> the, the, the whole scene yeah. was really good. If Trump said that, you'd be worried. <laughs> <laughs> like about your country. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like you'd be, you'd be yeah. terrified. <laughs> We mentioned they did this thing where all the stories were kind of connected in some way. Like, for example, a lot of the characters were in the same wedding without really knowing each other in the beginning of the movie. And a lot of them got to the, the Christmas nativity show in that school near the mm -hmm. end of the movie. And I like that they did that because, you know, it makes having a bunch of different storylines feel more natural. But I, I don't mm -hmm. know. I don't think it really worked in this movie. Like, I'm not sure if it's not emphasized enough. Or that maybe not all the relationships, all the relations between the characters were clear. It ended up leaning a bit towards the gimmick uh, side of the scale than, you know, helping the story. Yeah, I can understand that it was a bit gimmicky. But I didn't dislike it. The thing is, like, it. it felt gimmicky. But at the same time, like, 
do you think it would have been less gimmicky or more gimmicky? Because at the moment, like, it was like half the cast got together at the Christmas thing and then, like, quite a few of the cast at, like, the a month later scene at the airport and, you know, like, quite a few of the cast at the wedding. Like, there wasn't, like, one point where everyone got together and took a group photo. And right. And not even, like, like, in terms of, like, the the waiter on the wedding – like he's not really part of the yeah, but that like, kind of makes sense because anyone. his story was basically didn't get as much airtime as none of the other stories. It was on for yeah. like five minutes, all in all. So he felt like a minor character, a minor story. They didn't that come all made together sense. at the end or anything like that. Like it yeah, wasn't about the whole cast coming uh, yeah. together. Yeah, a good example I think is uh, the the Colin Firth story, which it was a fairly major story. I thought it got a lot of airtime, mm. a lot of attention, but. His connection to the whole group thing was that he was in the wedding at the beginning of the movie. But they, you know, you go to a lot of mo- a lot of weddings of people you don't really know closely, yeah. and they don't really at no point they're saying, "Oh, he's at the wedding because he's our close friend." Like, you know, yeah. it's it 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 felt really loose. I don't really have a strong defense of like you know, if they should have tightened up the connections or if they should have not even emphasized it that much. But it did feel like basically they like kind of took a snapshot of everyone at certain points or, you know, like, I I don't know. It felt very kind of random the way they picked it, but they just picked, I felt like they just cherry picked the people. This is going to sound stupid, but they cherry picked the people that were in an interesting point in their love lives. And obviously, I don't mean they literally cherry-picked people because they made the film around it. There's no people they actually (laughs) needed to pick. But I I understand that. But it felt like they kind of were doing like a reverse calculation where like the way they filmed it seemed like they were cherry-picking like people. Like, oh, let's just zoom in and see what happens, you know? Like it felt very much like they were exploring people's lives and the way they would connect, it felt very like... Oh, what are the chances they'd all be there at once? Yeah. Like it, um, it didn't feel set up, but it felt very like omniscient, where we knew something was going to happen with every character. It wasn't like totally like, you know, let's just get this seventeen people and let's see what happens, and four storylines work out, and the other two don't. Like every, there were poignant moments coming up to the at the very end for every single character, and so it felt like it had the forethought a little bit, like it, to say like, oh you know, watch these nine couples because everything is going to be awesome at the end. So it had like the omniscient bit there, but it didn't have the omniscient bit when it was like, oh, let's see how they connect. Because it like, obviously they wrote the movie, like it's not an actual factual thing. They could have made Colin's character more closely or he could have exactly. been another brother of Karen or something like that. So it was like some bits felt like it was like God playing dice and some bits felt like it was very natural, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is odd, but I, I, I still would say I like it. Yeah, I totally agree. I know it's nitpicking. Uh, it's not really the most important bit of the movie, but I, I thought they could have found, like, they could have mm-hmm. constructed a better connection between the whole group of people. Uh, but again, uh, it doesn't ruin the movie at all or anything. Eventually, a lot of the relationships were were shallow. Like what Inon said with... Uh, What's his face in the Portuguese lady, and Kira Knightley and uh, 
I don't know what's his name again. I don't remember his name, but he's Peter's best friend. Right, he got. And uh, yeah, he doesn't really know her. He, he he's in love with her basically just because of the way yeah, she looks. Yeah, and, so. and actually, she actually tells him that like we, I know that we never really talked. So how the hell do you love her? Yeah. And, and Sarah and Carl, they worked together for two years, but they basically never knew each other. And that brings me to my point that the only relationship that wasn't shallow was Billy Max and his fat manager. And that's why I love their relationship the most. <laughs> Another shallow love is, is uh, Sam, the kid with the girl who, that, that he never talked with her. And, Joanna. And, yeah. And he actually ran all the way to see her at the airport before the gate. She was entering the plane. And he was surprised that she knew his name. But I got to say that, like, even though I, I liked it. It was kind of weird seeing a kid, uh, you know, running faster than a few adults, doing something I, I think is illegal. Yeah, pretty sure. I don't think you get through and they're like, you got us. And it was they're after playing. 9-11 because they mentioned 9-11 at the beginning. Uh, you can't really go too deeply with, like, nine different stories during, I don't know, mm -hmm. an hour and a half, two hours. How long was this movie? Two hours, 15. Oh, really? Uh, so fairly long. <laughs> mm. But again, it's a bunch of stories. I guess they made a decision to keep them fairly shallow, I'd say. I don't know. Uh, there is a bit at the start there's, uh, where Hugh Grant opens it, which is maybe the subconscious bit that that's why you think it's his movie a little bit more. But he, he's just saying like he likes um, to see like the arrivals at Heathrow Airport and, and he does mention 9-11 and it was like a callback to that first line, um, like a pretty simple one. It wasn't like mischievously uh, winding through the whole plot or anything. It was just first line was about that. And then the last epilogue bit was just everyone at the airport. Like it was a simple way to like tie it all together, which is again, it was like the God omniscience thing again, like where they chose to start the thing. <laughs> I say chose, but you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like yeah. he was saying these things to him like <laughs> quickly film it. Like it was, it was, it's a movie. I get it. Yeah. So um, I, I did enjoy this movie, but it really makes me want to nitpick uh, the whole thing. Uh, I, there were a few stories I didn't like, even though I can see why they're in the movie and you know how they connect to the whole thing and what they're trying to explore. So all in all, I really did like this movie. I do plan to watch it again. I would. Watch it like every Christmas, like Barrio said. It's a cute movie. It's a cute movie. It just annoys me a bit. I think there's potentially moments that annoy me in this uh, movie, but like there's just too many good scenes. Like, was, it, was there a storyline you didn't like? Uh, yeah, I think the storyline I didn't like probably was the... Um, Don't say Billy Mac. The Don't American say Billy Mac. <laughs> it was oh, hilarious. Really? <laughs> I actually was tempted to say Billy, Billy Mac. But upon reflection, Billy Mac was a good, good storyline because that was actually quite deep. But the American one was like, it kind of needed to be there to sh be like the bookend for like how shallow it can get. But like, because every time they would switch to the nude people, I'd be like, ah, the nude people. Like, <laughs> yeah, and you kind of always, I don't know, for me, I always felt like it was going that way. Like the, it felt like they were going to get together. Like it, because it, they weren't showing any other characters. In, in those scenes, after the second scene, they'd introduced no one else to the nude place. And it was like, oh, so obviously these people will get together. Like, it it just felt like it was inevitable. Yeah. And I forget where I'm going with this, but like with the, um, it, it, it felt like kind of predictable and it was fun. Like every time it came on, 
like I was like egging them on, like going like, oh, come on, guys, come on, guys. And then like when when I went to the American one, it was like, oh, okay. Like I never wanted those scenes to go on longer. Like if I could make this movie longer, like with more Hugh Grant like scenes like and more Joni Mitchell and stuff, like, yeah, I would I would like extend it out except for those like American girl <laughs> scenes. Like I was like, that it's just enough. I have to say about the American story, about Colin's story, like I, I, I agree it was a bit too much and everything happened a bit too perfectly there, but I think the story had, had a clear point to make and I thought it was, you have to know where you are and, and if where you are works for you. And like if things aren't working for you where you are or with who you are, you should change places. You, you should sometimes have the, 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 the carriage to, to pick things up and leave. Like he, he just left... England to go to America to find love or, you know, just a companion for the night, I, I, I guess. But everyone was like, his best friend kept telling him, it's a bad idea, I don't go. It's a bad idea, I don't go. But he was just blindly going and that took some courage, I'd say, which mm. is cute. Okay. Yeah. So, as we do at the end of each step of our quest, we're going to take a vote that will decide whether or not love actually has a place in the Culture Quest Essentials Guide, aka The Quig. We'll vote with a gentlemanly tip of the hat for yay or an ominous stroke of the mustache for nay, and the vote must be unanimous in order for it to pass. Peter, do you want to go first? Sure. I know it won't be unanimous, but I'm very happy to tip my hat for this for this movie. Uh, that's cool. You're, you're, you've been very positive lately, and I like that. Well, I am going to tip my hat as well and, and listen in on... I think that this movie... Even if it has its... Uh, Every movie has flaws. Yeah. If you look at it from a cultural point of view, just the fact that you can get ex- exposed to, you know, that variety of uh, great actors... Yeah, let's go quantity over quality here. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but... Yeah, no. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, yes and no, but because it's, it's, something, it's something that is amazing. Like, imagine that, that yeah, yeah, you bring some, someone who haven't watched a movie or, you know, a movie from our... Uh, lifetime and and now wants to start get into it, you know where you get tastes from everything. Like you can see Alan Rickman and uh, Jodie Foster and uh, everyone else. I don't remember Jodie Foster. Not Jodie Foster. I I'm not sure if we have ever met. I, I'm not good with names. <laughs> but like it's it's a great way to to kind of like uh, go ahead and say okay, I like this actor. I like that story. Let's take another movie in that direction. Yeah. I saw a few movies in that kind of style. A few movies that kind of have a few storylines going at the same time and exploring uh, all kinds of angles of the same topic. And I thought this one did it better than the rest. But I, I don't know. I still feel like... I don't know. I still feel like you can do it better than this. I'm really, really on the fence because I really did enjoy this movie. I really think it was cute. I'll have to mention that the friends I watched it with kept groaning and, and like cringing and they really didn't like this movie and even though i watched it with people who really couldn't stop making fun of the movie i really enjoyed it i really i felt it was heartwarming even though i was surrounded by people who really didn't like it but to me it's just i can't make a decision about this one i'm i'm I'm, do we have something between yay and nay no it (laughs) must be yay or nay so i'll i'll have to go with nay an ominous stroke of the mustache because it's kind of like with Peter and uh, Firewatch, which was a great game, all, all around great game, but Peter like thought maybe one day we'll play a game that'll make us go back to, to 
Firewatch and say, oh, that's made it in there. Maybe now, retroactively, the line was a bit mm. too, too low. That's what I feel, about, I feel about this movie. I feel that we'll regret putting it in there if we'd watch a few more rom-coms, you know? Fair enough. Yeah, that's fair. Fair enough. I, I, if I find a raw rom-com is better than this, mate, I'll be so happy. Like, this was such a great movie. So, like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm thinking there's so much out there now. I think we should keep trying with rom-coms. So, I was thinking to keep on the rom-com streak. Aye. And I wanted to suggest two movies that you can pick one from. Sleepless in Seattle, which I know nothing about other than it's a famous name. And what I'm actually a bit more hoping that you will choose is When Harry Met Sally. I've actually heard references to both of these recently, and I, I don't even know. I can't name an actor from any of them. Like, I don't know at all. I don't know the years. I'm pretty sure they'd be 90s, but because I have a friend called Sally and she, like, every time I hear it, like, I don't know, like, always, it always comes up. It's just a, such an easy joke to make. And then the other one, Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, they're both directed by the same the same person. They're both directed mm. by Nora Ephron. Oh, no fucking way. And they're both hmm. with Meg Ryan. I, 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 really, I really didn't know that. That's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Anyway, yeah, I was listening to Jimmy Carr's latest audiobook. Um, mm-hmm. I say latest. I think it's his first audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> Technically not a lie. And um, yeah. like he was, he was saying he couldn't find a hotel, so he was literally sleepless in Seattle. And I, I actually thought that line was funny, but I, I, I've never seen the movie, so like, why? Am I, why? I, I guess I'm laughing at the play on words, but it would be nice to know that. But yeah, because they're equally sort of equidistant. Uh, from me, I think, yeah, I think I'm happy to go with Har- When Harry Met Sally. Here's where I'm sitting. Slipless in Seattle came out in 1993. I never watched it. I always kind of wanted to watch it. Like, it wasn't really, mm. you know, something I was waiting to watch. But I, I always thought one day I'll watch it. Uh, and this could be a very good opportunity. And When Harry Met Sally is a movie I really, really want to watch. Let me know if what you think about this. I, I watched this once not that long ago like maybe three or four years i think i watched it yeah maybe maybe three or four years and i know i only watch it once but it's one of my favorite movies i i am dying to watch it again so is it cheating like in terms of the quest because when we watched jurassic park barry watched jurassic park before but you know we went with it we 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 like it, it wasn't too familiar with the movie so we said yeah that's good enough i i do want to give it the time i do want to get into it so what do you guys think i think it's fair game yeah. i have an idea yeah go up peter okay because they are the same director i think we could potentially do sleepless in seattle but as part of what we'll call research <laughs> we'll watch both but we'll do Sleepless in Seattle. It was like Nora Ephron directed Sleepless in Seattle and she wrote uh, When Harry Met Sally. She didn't direct it. Rob Reiner directed When Harry Met Sally. Um, oh, that's so, fine. So what you're suggesting is we'll watch both and do an episode about Sleepless in Seattle? Yeah, so we'll watch the one that she directed and then as like a, I don't know, some uh, like a short bit, we can also say, well, we also watched When Harry Met Sally and this is... Not her direction. I don't mind just doing a, a like a joint episode, like a Nora Ephron special. But 
Barry, you, you decide. Do you want to watch one of them or do you want to do both? Or, uh... Like Harry Met Sally sounds like a movie with a lot of potential to go into the quag. Ah, uh, you don't want to sacrifice that. And about Sleepless in Seattle, I actually don't know anything about... Well, same with Harry Met Sally. When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. But that <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle can also have that potential. But like, I, I think they both deserve an episode. Yeah, that's, that's yeah I've point. got an idea. Okay. We haven't done this before, but I, I kind of get the vibe that we want to do Harry Met Sally more. Like, I don't think we're going to do Sleepless in Seattle without Harry Met Sally. When Harry Met Sally. Yeah, that's what I meant. Uh, (laughs) I think we should get rid of Sleepless in Seattle for now because I feel like we have, in two weeks' time, we're going to be talking about when Harry Met Sally no matter what. So let's let's just do the episode on Harry Met Sally, right? But this is the the next bit, is that we've never done this before, but we'll, we'll guarantee that we will do Sleepless in Seattle this year. It has to be, someone has to choose it by the end of um, season three. We can commit to do it right after. We can do it right after. All right, so uh, we'll watch When Harry Met Sally, and then we'll watch Sleepless in Seattle uh, for episode 63, I think it, it'll be. But I'll, I'll say again, like this is a movie I only watched once and I loved it so much that I did plan to really like dig deep into it. So I'm really happy about this opportunity. Uh, I really hope you guys will like it because I I love it. It's, it's charming. Don't get your expectations blown up because of me. (laughs) Right. But but honestly, honestly, you're in for a treat. It's going to be twice (laughs) as good as love actually, (laughs) which is in my top 10 movies, man. No, I can't wait to watch it. So, Thank you, Peter, and thank you, Barrio, for staying true to our goal. And thank you, the listeners at home, for helping us along the latest stage of our quest. We hope that you join us again next episode, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye! Sayonara! Bye-bye! The Culture Quest Podcast is brought to you by no one in particular. The best way to support us and help us grow is to tell your friends and family about us and to direct them at episodes that they might find interesting. We might start a Patreon page at some point, that way we'll be able to do some cool stuff with people who decide to actively support us, such as you'll be able to join our Discord channel and discuss the albums, movies, books we're doing before we record each episode. You'll be able to suggest and to vote on the subjects that we do. We can maybe do listening parties with the albums we've covered and who knows what else. Uh, If you think you might be interested in something like that or you want to contact us about anything else, drop us a line. You can find all the ways to contact us on our website culturequestpodcast.com Thanks for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to bring to everyone's attention all those people that are currently stuck without their phone and are forced to continue listening to this unless they pause it and then have to contemplate, you know, the state of their life and other things. So you'll probably just continue listening. I just wanted to give a bit of a shout out to a um, a website, actually. It's called givewell.org. So that's give, G-I-V-E, well, W-E, double L dot org. So it's, it's a dot org. So it's, it's legit. And, um, basically they're the authority on who is worth giving money to in terms of charity. So obviously we'll give money to friends and family if they fall on hard times. But if you are thinking about giving large sums of money to, um, charities, it's definitely best to do your research because, a lot of people just give away money and want to feel good, but it's also good to think of it as an investment and how you can do the most good. So, 
it's not asking you to give away more money, but it's asking you to give the money away in a responsible way. And um, basically, they've just authorized eight charities. So out of all the, I want to say hundreds of thousands of charities, might be a bit lower, but they've authorized only eight. And I think it's really good to just scan through the list and um, see if you can consider donating to these charities. So um, I think that would be good if we can all sort of band together during these tough times. At the moment, it's COVID, but, you know, that will change and we're all going to need to support everyone. So this is probably one of the best evidence-based ways to do that. So yeah, so definitely hop on to givewell.org if you're considering and hopefully those charities are like tax deductible or something in your country, which would be in your best interest. So anyway, this is not formal advice, but it's just a good place to go. Thank you.